Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Hashtag Murder. I'm Scar. And I'm Alex. And we're millennials who love murder. And greasy, disgusting, <laughs> cheesy burgers. Oh, those are so good. The Way Back Burger. Wait, I've never had it before. Never even heard of it. It was fucking delicious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, DoorDash. Yeah. If you live in Somerville, Way Back Burgers on Old Trolley. Yeah, it was real good. And we have Lillian in the room with us. Who's being a pain in the ass. Which may not last long. <laughs> Uh, well, I left her outside with Ollie, and then he somehow got her collar off of her, and then she ate her collar. She's naked. <laughs> she ain't got no clothes no more. <laughs> this is like the fifth collar she's eaten. Okay. So, at least she doesn't eat the air tag. No, she just eats the That could the be call. bad. <laughs> Murphy has an air tag. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lily. It's because you escape. I know. So, can't leave her outside, so she's in here. It'll be fine. She's gonna take a nap eventually. <laughs> she'll, t- she'll wear herself out. Oh, we have a brand new listener. Ooh. If we get any reports about a nine-year-old listening to our podcast, <laughs> it is not Ray. Well, actually, Ray does listen, but she's not into the, the gory stuff. She's like a very, she's a princess. <laughs> she likes the story. Yes. Yes. Um, she likes when we talk about her, she'll skip to the part where we talk about her. And then she doesn't listen to anything else. <laughs> and here it is. But her little bestie, Trinity, um, her next door neighbor, yeah. she loves true crime. <laughs> um, so she asked her mom if she could listen to the podcast. So now she's listening to the podcast and she loves it. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Not super kid friendly, but that's it's fine. It's fine. She's a she's a dark <laughs> little child. She's dramatic. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I love that. You know, if I had had access to true crime podcasts as a child, yeah. Well, my mom let me li- like watch like a CSI. I was probably like ten. Oh, I'd, yeah. We used 100%. to binge watch it. Like I fucking loved that shit. Yeah. SVU. Yeah. Yeah. Forensic Files. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was great. Have you seen? Um, fuck. What's a uh... I think it's like the Adams Family, that new TV show on Netflix. No. Not um, Wednesday? Yes. Uh, oh. Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. So uh, imagine Trinity as Wednesday and Ray is her little bestie. Oh. That's their personalities. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. They actually went as that for Halloween this past year. <laughs> oh, that's, I love that. I love that a lot. Have you seen on TikTok where, uh, this has nothing to do with anything mm-hmm. other than the fact that it's a little chilly outside today. Mm-hmm. The guy who works at the alligator farm and all the alligators are oh, frozen. frozen. Yeah. <laughs> They're sleeping. They're sleeping. And they put their little noses out of the water. So they can breathe. <laughs> and they're just literally frozen. <laughs> yeah, I sent that to Kendra the other day and then Kayla saw it on hers and she's like, how... How does hibernation work? <laughs> I was like, I don't, oh, I'm not a zoologist. I, I don't, don't know. know. Oh, but I guess because they're cold-blooded, mm-hmm. they can be frozen mm-hmm. as long as they can still breathe. Then they're good. So weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so strange. Um. Okay. Well, we're going to get into this one and it's a bummer. Scarlet probably doesn't remember half of it because she wrote this like a million years ago. I did. We were actually going to do this one around... Halloween, mm-hmm. and then it felt kind of icky to do it around Halloween, and I was like, you know what, we're gonna 
we're going to shelf this one and come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this one's uh, super sad. So Let's sorry. Go. Sorry in advance. So this week we are going to Bannock County, Idaho. I think that should be pronounced Bannock. You think so? You don't listen to me. <laughs> um. Oh, somebody said, I can't remember who it was, but they were like, your pronunciations for the Wisconsin were like on point. Mine would be so bad. <laughs> so, Bannock County, Idaho. And we're going to start with a little lady named Cassie Joe Stoddart. I feel like if your middle name is Joe, you're a you, sweetie. You, yeah, you're, uh, you're either a sweetie or you're a country bumpkin. Yeah. Or both of them. I know, Cassie Joe. Um, and Cassie was born December twenty first, nineteen eighty nine. So she's two years older than me. She's a Christmas baby. She is. And Cassie had a loving and tight knit family consisting of her mother Anne, her older sister Christy, and her younger brother Andrew. Once Cassie is in her middle and high school years, she really blossoms. She wasn't this shy little girl anymore. She made friends very easily and was very well liked by all of her classmates. She was intelligent and set high goals for herself and was planning on attending college once she graduated from high school. Cool. Cassie's brother, who was only younger by about 18 months, said that his sister was headstrong and a role model to him whenever they were growing up. He said once she got her mind set on something, she was going to do it and that they weren't just siblings, that they were best friends. That's sweet. I know. My younger sister uh, is 18 months younger than me as well. We fucking hated each other growing up. Oh, no. Could could never be besties. <laughs> uh, different strokes for different folks. Andrew also said that his sister Cassie was super smart and artistic. She was always drawing and creating and had a natural talent for the arts and that their mother still had some of her creations up around their house to this day. So now that we have a little background on Cassie, let's fast forward to September 22nd, 2006. Cassie is 16 and in the 11th grade at Pocatello High School, and she has been asked to house sit for her aunt and uncle while they're out of town for the weekend. They have two dogs and three cats, so they're wanting someone to keep an eye on them, and Cassie, being the kind and generous and very responsible teen that she was, agrees. And she was saving up to buy a car, so she's getting a little side cash, and she's helping out the fam. That's nice. It's a good yeah. kid. Yeah. So Cassie's mother, Anne, drives Cassie the 15 minutes to her aunt's house in Pocatello around 5.30 p.m. and drops her off. Her mother's a little worried about her daughter being there alone, but Cassie reassured her mother that she can take care of herself and that she would be fine. Um, I'm guessing she was not fine. Yeah. So the house wasn't like in the middle of nowhere. It was kind of close, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a big house and it's an old house and it might be a little unnerving to be there alone. Even though she was, like, familiar with it. And old houses make old noises. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So, mm. about 30 minutes into being there, Cassie is wandering around the home whenever the doorbell rings. Okay. And it's a Girl Scout. (laughs) No. It actually, okay, so (laughs) I watched this documentary. I believe everything I see. Okay. I believe. All of it? Until I do some, like, critical thinking. Like, (laughs) I'm very gullible. Uh, So, like, the doorbell rang, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is it. And then it was, like, just a guy. It was, like, the UPS guy dropping off a package. Mm -hmm. Upon reflection, I'm not sure that this happened, because how would we know? We would have no way of knowing this, but I believed it, so I put it in there. Okay. So, doorbell rings. It's just someone dropping off a package. But then, right after this, there's a knock at the door, and it's her boyfriend, Matthew Beckham. Mm -hmm. 
So Cassie and Matt really enjoyed spending time together. They've been dating for a few months, and Cassie's family really liked him. Cool. Teen love. I know. So Matt's mom had dropped him off at the house-sitting house so they could hang out a little bit, and so Cassie wasn't so alone, but he's not allowed to spend the night. Okay. So it's 8.30 p.m., and there's another knock at the door. And... The pizza guy. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. Um, it's two friends from high school, and they are expecting a full-on house party. What? Yeah. And Cassie is super pissed because she's, like, super trustworthy and promised her aunt and uncle that Matt was going to be the only visitor. Mm-hmm. But she had mentioned house-sitting earlier at school, and I believe Matt had given these two other friends the address and told them also that Cassie was house-sitting at this house and that they were going to have a little party. Matt, don't no, do sir. that. Don't do that. Yeah. So these two friends from school are Brian Draper and Tori Adamchick. And that is Tori, boy Tori. Okay. So Brian and Tori and Cassie and Matt are all friends and they go to the same high school and they're all in the same grade. All right. Got it. I'm following. So it's not much of a party, really. A small gathering, if you will. Cassie shows them all around the house, and the boys are getting antsy and bored, so they decide to watch a movie, and they were all into horror movies, like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, you know, the cheesy horror movies. And this night in particular, they decided to watch Kill Bill Volume 2. Oh, that's my mom's favorite movie. Like, my actual, my real mom's favorite movie. (laughs) What? She loved the Kill Bill movies. That's funny. And my dad hates them naturally (laughs) because my mom loves them yeah uh i was really into kill bill there for a minute like in high school Mm -hmm. and then i haven't watched them since so i have no idea what they're even about i have not watched them probably (laughs) since i was like 11 when my mom watched them (laughs) oh that's funny so around 9 30 p.m brian and tori are like so bored they can't stand it so they leave to head to the movie theater So Cassie and Matt are just going to get some alone time before Matt has to leave. So Cassie and Matt are still watching the movie and the power goes out. Mm -hmm. Right row. This causes some panic from both Cassie and Matt. I mean, they're in this really huge, old, slightly unfamiliar house. It's late at night. I too would be frightened. I'd be like, where's the fucking power? Yeah. How the fuck am I supposed to watch Netflix with no power? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So Cassie goes to look for a flashlight and Matt heads downstairs to see if it's like the breaker thingy. Yeah, just need to flip it. Yeah. Um, Matt is halfway down the stairs whenever the power kicks back on. So he just goes back upstairs. Okay. So Cassie and Matt both go back to watching the movie, doing whatever it is teens do whenever Matt's mom shows up to pick him up. Mm Mm-hmm. And Cassie is freaked out about the power going in and out and does not want Matt to leave. Okay. Understandably. Yeah. So Matt goes out to his mom's car and explains the power outages and how Cassie is freaked the fuck out and asks if he can stay with her. And his mom is like, no. No. (laughs) I'm not letting my 16-year-old son stay the night with Uh, his girlfriend. (laughs) His 16-year-old girlfriend's house. But she did offer that Cassie could stay at their house for the night and then drop her back off in the morning. I like that solution. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to leave you all alone. But, like, if you want to come and stay on our couch. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. So Matt goes back in and tells Cassie all of this. And Cassie says that she wouldn't feel right if she left the house. After all, she gave her aunt and uncle her word. She would be there. And what if something happened in the middle of the night and she was not there? Yeah, that's fair. (sighs) 
This is especially if you have dogs so bad. like Lillian. I know. Yeah, she'd be tearing some shit up. <laughs> oh yeah. How many times has she gone in and out mm-hmm. since we've been in here? So on his way home. Matt called Tori to see where him and Brian had gone and to potentially catch up with them and hang out. But on the call, Matt could barely hear Tori or make out what he was saying. So Matt assumed that they were at the movies and did not try to reach out to them anymore that night. Okay. So now Cassie is alone and it's around 11 p.m. Cassie calls it a night and grabs a blanket and lays down on the downstairs couch and she's kind of drifting in and out of sleep. She's got the TV on and then... The power goes out again. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. I don't think so. So this startles Cassie. She sits up and then the power flicks on and off like five or six more times in a row. Uh, I like, like that. On, off, on, off. No, it's kind of giving me anxiety just talking Especially about it. Especially if it's not like uh, like raining or windy or anything like that. Like, that's just strange. That should not be happening. Yeah. So... Skipping all day Saturday, we're going to fast forward to mid-morning on Sunday, and it's about to get real sad. Sunday morning? Uh, yes. Okay. So that was Friday night. And now we're at Sunday morning. Yes. Cassie's aunt, uncle, and cousins have arrived back home, and they find a terrible scene. Cassie's 13-year-old cousin is the first to run into the house, and she finds Cassie laying dead in a pool of her own blood, having been stabbed (gasps) to death. What the fuck? Yeah. So her 13-year-old cousin was the first to... Yeah, and 13-year-old cousin's probably just excited to be home, knows their cousin's there, and she's like, I'm just gonna go say hi, I'm so excited to see you. You're dead on my yeah. floor. Oh, God. So who did this to sweet 16-year-old Cassie Joe? Oh, I hate it. And even more sadly, no one could get a hold of Anne, her mother, because she was on her way to pick Cassie up. Yeah, so she's just not answering the phone because she's literally on her way to pick her kid up. Yeah, so Anne finds out that her daughter is dead by just, like, showing up to the house. Mm-mm. Nope. Uh, so, it's a nightmare. So, Lieutenant John Gansky is assigned to the case. And he knows the urgency of the situation here, and he's ready to find out who did this to Cassie. Okay. Due to the intensity of the crime, Lieutenant John assumes this is something personal and that Cassie might have known her attacker. Yeah, she's a 16-year-old kid. Yeah. So, Lieutenant John heads to the boyfriend, Matthew's home first, naturally, because... the boyfriend always does it. Yep. And Matt doesn't know a thing. The only thing he can tell them is that Cassie was scared whenever the power had gone out and that one of the family dogs kept staring down into the basement, like at the stairs, or from the top of the stairs, and was growling and barking at what seemed to be nothing. And that he and Tori had met up on Saturday and that he kept calling and trying to get a hold of Cassie, but he never could get a hold of her. Also, just to note, Matt is showing, like, zero emotion. And I don't know if that has... Just how he processes grief or... Yeah, but, like, his girlfriend has just been brutally murdered. And he had had literally just been there, too. Like, it could have easily been him. Yeah, exactly. And he just didn't really show a lot of... eh, Anything. That's just weird. Whenever he was told this. So, I don't know. But uh, Matthew also shares that these friends for from school were there earlier that night for, like, 
half an hour, Brian and Tori. Okay. Matt gives Lieutenant John Brian and Tori's contact info, and that's basically the end of the conversation, and Lieutenant John is being, or is, a little skeptical of Matt. Yeah, I would be too. Kind of aloofness to the situation. Yeah, just being fucking weird. Yeah. So, Lieutenant John moves on to Brian Draper and Tori Adamchick, the friends that were also at the house, and they state that they showed up expecting a party, and when they started watching a movie and they realized that the party was not happening, they left to go to the movies, the movie theater, and that Brian stayed the night at Tori's house that night. Investigators aren't buying Matt's version of events. They question him and give him polygraph to see if he's lying, which, polygraph. Yeah. <laughs> They ask if he was at the house that night. He says yes. They ask if he killed Cassie. He says no. They ask if he knows who killed Cassie. Once again, he says no. And they determine that Matt is telling the truth and that he had nothing to do with Cassie's murder. Okay. So Lieutenant John decides to circle back to Brian and Tori. John questions both boys about the events again. They both say they left the house that Cassie was house-sitting at around 9.30 that night and went to go see a movie in the theaters called Pulse, um, which I've never seen before, but apparently it's a horror psychological thriller starring uh, Kristen Bell and Hottie McHodderson, Ian Somerhalder. Who's Ian Somerhalder? Let me Google. He was in Lost. He was the brother of Shannon. Oh hot yeah he was in um the vampire diaries no the he's in one of those vampire ones right oh i have no idea yeah vampire diaries oh mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. who knew what's his name in lost uh boone boone, boone Carlisle. oh my god i was in love with mm-hmm. boone and charlie lost what a great show did you watch that uh i watched a couple of seasons of it not the whole thing oh it was so good the ending sucked but what do you do? Anywho, um, so Lieutenant John asks both boys what the movie is about. And the boys are giving, like, super vague answers. Like, it's a horror movie, but they can't really give him any more details than that. Which they kind of, like, clung to. Because they're both really big movie buffs. Yeah, they should have been like, oh, this is what happened. And then this and this. and this. Like, kids remember movies. Yeah, and they just seen it, like, the night before. Especially weirdo teenage boys. Yeah, and Brian and Tori, they loved movies so much that they were both aspiring directors, and they just loved the scary movie industry. Hmm. So yeah, they can't describe the movie at all. A little curious. So now, Lieutenant John is pretty certain that the boys are lying, which there had to have been some other things Mm -hmm. that they said other than not being able to remember a movie. Yeah. But, I mean, that's all we got. So, flashing back to Friday night. What the hell happened here. Cassie was woken up by the power going in and out and then the slamming of a closet door. And she hides behind the couch and now suspects someone is in the house. Whoever this was initially wanted Cassie to go downstairs and when she never did, they moved upstairs. So What? Yeah. I don't like this. This is scary. I don't like it. <sighs> so Cassie sees that there's a person in a white face mask with red paint dripping down it, dressed in all black, and holding a dagger-like weapon wandering around the house. No. When this person's back is turned, Cassie books it towards the front door, but is greeted by another masked person, dressed in all black, holding a hunting type of knife on the front porch. I'd be pissing myself. Yeah, 
This is so scary. And I'd be throwing shit. I'd be throwing knives. Yeah, well. So Cassie is trapped by these two people. The assailants get a hold of Cassie, who is fighting for her life, and drag her back into the living room and proceed to stab her to death between 27 and 30 times, 12 of which were fatal. And 11 of the 12 fatal wounds were from the same knife. So the one person that wielded the, probably wielded the more fatal of the knives. Yep. Or did most of the stabbing. So back to the investigation. So five days after Cassie Joe's brutal murder, Brian Draper shows up to the station to take his polygraph. And basically right away, Lieutenant John knows Brian is about to crack. Brian is immediately crying. Why are you crying? Yeah. You murdered somebody, motherfucker. You can go pound fucking sand. <sighs> yeah, I know. So Brian starts spilling all the beans. He explains that he and Tori did leave the house that night at 930, but they went back. Brian explains that they went in through the unlocked back door, which he had unlocked earlier in the night whenever he was there. So he planned that. Yes. And that they were, quote, only supposed to scare her, end quote. And that this whole thing was only a prank gone horribly wrong. After you already knew that she was a little freaked out staying in a house by herself. Yep. So Brian says that he was in the basement turning the electricity on and off and that Tori went crazy and kept saying that he had to kill Cassie and that Brian couldn't do anything to stop him. And that Tori actually made Brian help him finish the job. So Brian has just confessed to aiding in the murder of Cassie Joe Stoddart. Why do boys Tragic. always like, they're like, oh, well, he made me do it. Yeah. You can say, no, you don't want to murder somebody. Yeah. You have a weak ass spine. Yeah. And we'll, I mean, we'll get to it, but it's, it just goes, it keeps going downhill from here. Great. So, Yeah. Um, but not only does he confess that he and Tori did this, he's also got more information for the investigators. Brian explains that they dumped all of the evidence and knives out in a wooded area right outside of Black Rock Canyon. Brian leads investigators to this area, and the investigators are shocked by what they find. Under some dirt and leaves, they find two dagger-type knives with sheaths, a black and silver-handled knife, a pocket knife, latex gloves, and those horrifying white plaster masks with the red paint dripping down them. So they planned all this. They had to purchase all those items. Oh, this was definitely planned. Mm-hmm. 100%. And they also find a VHS tape. Oh, because so I'm sure they filmed it, too. They just You just dumped the thing you filmed? You idiots? Yeah. Why even film it if you're just going to dump it anyway? Well. Fucking morons. Yeah, maybe they thought they would go back to it later, maybe. I don't know. Teenagers are fucking stupid. Yeah. Um. So investigators go back to the station and start playing the tape. The tape is timestamped 8.36 p.m. September 21st, 2006, which is the day before Cassie's murder. And it's of the boys driving in one of their cars. And Brian is first heard saying, if you restrict people from doing something, they're going to want to do it. End quote. Talking about murdering someone. No. If you... No, sir. (laughs) 
normal people don't say, oh, murder's illegal. I'm going to go do that. Yeah. It makes me want to do it more now. That's like parking in handicap parking or something. <sighs> that's that's what they mean by that. Yeah. Like, I'm not allowed to park here, so I'm just going to park here. Yeah. Oh, it just keeps getting worse. So, um, I am so sorry for this. This is very, this is very sad. So Brian says, quote, we found our victim and sad as it may be, she's our friend. But you know what? We all have to make sacrifices. Our first victim is going to be Cassie Stoddard. She's going to be alone in a big dark house in the middle of nowhere. How perfect can you get? Um, End quote. The, your first victim? So you planned on doing it more. They did. You obviously don't care that she's your friend if you just said all that. Yeah. And then Tori, in response to that, said, quote, I'm horny just thinking about it. End quote. You're fucking disgusting. Oh, these two boys are truly... Brian, you're a piece of shit. You're trying to sound like you're some sweet, innocent boy. You are not. (sighs) Yeah. Um, But there's more. Wonderful. So the tape cuts to 12.17 p.m. on September 22nd, 2006. And the camera has been set up to where both boys are in the frame. And the boys are explaining that they've tried to do this nine or ten times before, but that their intended target was never home alone. What? So you were right. They had been planning on doing this for quite some time. Yeah. Cassie just happened to be the first person they found that was alone. Yeah. Um, So they said that either the person had friends over or that their parents would show up, but that their patience has paid off because they knew that Cassie would be alone. You giant pieces of fucking shit. And Brian in this tape even apologizes to Cassie's family directly. No, they don't want your fucking apology, sir. They (sighs) want their child back. Yeah. And they also state that they wanted to be known as infamous killers and look up to famous murderers such as Ted Bundy, the Zodiac Killer, and the Columbine High School Shooters. You know what you're known for? Being a giant piece of shit. (sighs) Yeah. Um, yeah. They also talk about how much they love the movie Scream, um, which is eerily familiar to what they have done it's almost the same it's like a fucking blueprint of what they did yeah they're so fucking original so the two also confessed to having a quote death list that had the names of several more classmates um including cassie joe stoddard like what the fuck did they do to you that you needed to murder them or want to murder them or even plan their murder i just i don't know i don't understand um but there's even more Lovely. So Brian and Tori had recorded after the murder as well. Um, They are seen in their car again and recounting the events of the night. So Brian Draper says, I just killed Cassie. We just left the house. This is not a fucking joke. And then Tori says, I'm shaking. And then Brian says, I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body just disappear. Dude, I just killed Cassie. This is not a documentary, you fucks. And then Tori said, shut the fuck up. We've got to get our act straight. Maybe don't murder people. Yeah. This isn't a fucking documentary. I don't even know why I'm covering this. (laughs) This is really uh, out of the ordinary. So now Lieutenant John knows that this was not supposed to be a prank. This was premeditated murder. They planned this entire thing. 
And remember how Brian was trying to pin the whole thing on Tori? Yeah. No. They were both confessing to the murder on that videotape. Very equally involved. Yeah. So September 27th, 2006, scumbags Brian Draper and Tori Adamshag are arrested and charged with first degree murder. I hope they rot in fucking jail. Yeah. Can we tell them to fuck all the way off? You can fuck all the way <laughs> off. Go pound sand. <laughs> uh, so on April 17th, 2007, Brian Draper was found guilty of first degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Dick. To- yeah. Tori Adamchick's trial began on May 31st, 2007. Oh, they had separate trials? They did. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And he was convicted of the same charges on June 8th, 2007. Both received life sentences in prison without the possibility of parole for 30 years to life for the conspiracy behind their brutal slaying. Brian and Tori are still serving their sentences at the Idaho State Correctional Institution, although on June 25th, 2012, Miller v. Alabama was upheld in that a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole was unconstitutional for juvenile offenders. Oh, yeah, I forgot about all that nonsense. Yeah. So, in September of 2010, an appeal was filed on behalf of Tori and one for Brian in April 2011. Their initial appeals were denied, and as of this writing, both killers are appealing their convictions in higher courts. So, as of, like, last August, whenever I type these up, um, they're still appealing their convictions. Um, I hope they fuck all the way off and... Get life in prison because they were almost adults. Yeah. Um, in July of 2015, Tori had a hearing for post conviction relief, claiming that testimony from character witnesses may have changed the outcome of his sentencing. No. Sir, you, you killed somebody. Yeah. It's on tape what you said and did. Yeah. But that his former attorney did not call upon these witnesses. However, his request for post conviction relief was denied. Bitch. Uh, Tori again appealed the judge's decision to the Idaho Supreme Court, but on December 26th, 2017, his appeal for post-conviction relief was once again rejected. Bitch. <sighs> to this day, Tori maintains that he never stabbed Cassie and that he believed that Brian and he were role-playing and simply planning to scare Cassie in a cruel prank. So Tori is in complete denial. But on the other hand, Brian takes responsibility for stabbing Cassie several times and claims that Tori did, in fact, physically take part in the stabbing as well. Oh, he looks like he would stab a girl. Sorry, I just Googled photos of him. Yeah, they're not cute. Mm -mm. They're really... Mm. Their haircuts bother me. Yeah, they're unattractive human beings. Regular teenage boys. Yeah. God. Um... So, yeah. So, to this day, they still pin it on each other, basically. Oh, And Tori's in complete denial. Good job, Um, Tori. But at least Brian has acknowledged what he has done and takes responsibility. It's better for you if you do acknowledge what you did and take responsibility and show your guilt. Because then the court is more lenient with you. Yeah. Versus, I didn't do it, he did it. Exactly. Yeah. So, in an interview with Dateline... Brian Draper spoke with Keith Morrison, and in the interview, he says, quote, I regret what I did every day. I felt like a nobody, and I felt like I'd be somebody if I did something, you know, big and bad, end quote. Oh, I, I was a nobody and a loser, so I'm just going to murder somebody? 
Yeah. Um, he also wanted to send a message for other kids who may feel like outcasts or are considering violence, saying, quote, it's not too late for all the kids out there who are thinking about that stuff now. It's not too late, man, to get engaged in your life and try to improve your life and better your life, end quote. And Tori declined to be interviewed. Okay, Tori. So at least we have a little bit of remorse from one of them. Yeah, not the other one. No. Um, so there's one final clip on the tapes from that night. And it's stamped 8.29 a.m. on September 22nd, 2006, which was the morning after the murder. The murder, okay. And, or no, sorry, which is the morning of the murder. So earlier that day. Wild to me that they did it in the morning. Well, no, the the murder happened in the middle of the night. Oh, well, you know, but like, uh, like so late at night, like, oh yeah, like, like they basically came the day after. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um. So this is the prior morning. Okay. And it's Brian filming Cassie, and she's standing at her locker at school, and she says hi. Brian asks if she's seen Tori, and she says no, and he laughs and walks away, and that's basically it. That's chilling. So he was thinking about it all week long at school. Yeah, and Cassie had no idea that this boy was planning on murdering her later that night, slash into the next morning. Yeah. Isn't that, ah, uh, gives me goosebumps. Like he was thinking about that all day at school, probably all week, because yeah. he knew that she was going to be staying at her aunt and uncle's house. Yeah, walked up to her, filmed it, mm -hmm. said hi, and then... Laughed about it. Laughed, walked away, killed her that night. <sighs> um, an article from CrimeWire states, quote, Brian Draper and Tori Adamchik were motivated by a twisted desire to fulfill their violent fantasies, and their actions serve as a chilling reminder of the dangers of unmonitored aggression and the importance of identifying and addressing mental health crises in teenagers. End you know, quote. You know what you should do if you feel like you want to murder somebody? Go play Call of Duty. Yeah. That stupid zombie game that the, the boys play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, um, um... Play basketball. Um, football. You can go hit somebody. Yeah. Go to the gym. Go to the gym. Get a good workout in. Go for a run. Yeah. Stay away from knives. <sighs> God. That same article goes on to say, quote, Although Cassie's life was cut short, her memory lives on through the ongoing efforts of her loved ones to keep her legacy alive and should not be overshadowed by the selfish acts and psychopathy of the boys who took her life. End That's quote. Sweet. <sighs> yeah. Cassie was gorgeous and really just a wonderful young lady and her life was cut short and it's horrifying what happened to her at the hands of her friends. Yeah, so-called friends. Yeah. And this whole... Okay, so this is called The Scream Murder, mm -hmm. which I don't like. And I watched that movie, did not like the movie. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that in a second. So the connection's loose. I think that was just something the media kind of like clung on to yeah to make it sell more papers yeah and latch onto those those catchy headlines um i don't know oh okay one more thing uh remember whenever matt called tori after he left the house to see if he wanted to go hang out yeah brian and tori were already in the basement whenever he called and them. that's why he was being quiet because he didn't want cassie to hear him yes oh, oh dirtbags isn't that fucked up 
Like, oh yeah, we're just in the basement of your girlfriend's house about to kill her. <sighs> yeah. So, um, that's that's that on that. Wonderful. So sorry. That was a real downer. Hmm. Not much to laugh about in that one. No. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, have a semi fun fact. It's just a fact. So I watched. I'd never seen the Scream movie before. I saw it like years ago. And the beginning was okay. It's got Drew Barrymore. Love it does. her. It does have Drew Barrymore in it. The beginning was all right, but then after that scene was over, mm-hmm. didn't like a single thing else about it. Did not like it. I don't it. remember anything about the movie besides her answering the phone. Yeah, and I think it's because I researched this case before I watched the movie, mm-hmm. and I knew it had something to do with it, and mm-hmm. it was just like, eh, it was a little icky. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's your not-so-fun fact. Teenagers are terrifying. Yeah. To quote My Chemical Romance, my favorite band on earth, mm-hmm. teenagers scare the living shit out of me. They do. They could care less. Yep. As long as someone will bleed. So darken your clothes and strike a violent pose. That is what they did. <laughs> yeah oh my god um well before you go follow us on instagram at hashtag murder pod spell the whole thing out and if you like this give us five stars and write a review on either apple or spotify share it on your your socials yeah tell Um, all your friends about us please do your grandma your mom your next door neighbor (laughs) your (laughs) nine-year-old Your your nine-year-old child's BFF. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, Um, Trinity fucking loves it. Uh, She asked, uh, I asked her if I could pick her first episode that she listened to. So I picked the Stephen Griffiths one. Nice. The crossbow killer. I thought she would like that one. (laughs) And she did. She Uh, looked at me and she said, I need to know what his girlfriend looked like. Will you help me find a picture of her? She needs all the information. I said, yes, I will. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, She's... Maybe she'll be a true crime podcaster one day. She would make a good true crime podcaster. She, yeah. I feel like her uh, Ray's very good at, uh, uh, she likes to hyper-focus on things. Yeah. So she'd be very good at research. <laughs> yeah. She'd probably be very disgusted by all of it, but she would be very good at researching it. Oh, that's fun. I love it. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get her help one day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have a Patreon. Go check us out there. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun stuff. Um, and I am gonna go, we'll have to go buy a new collar for Lillian. Mm -hmm, Because she's bad. And then I'm gonna take a nap. That sounds nice. Yeah. That burger. Yeah. Filled you up, made you all sleepy. It sure did. Yeah. And I have to go return something I bought on Amazon to Kohl's. Which means I have to put pants on. No, or not. You can just go like that. (laughs) Uh, I have no shame. In your Stranger Things pajama pants. (laughs) This is like the same outfit I wear every time we record. record. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, well, thanks for hanging out. Love Love you. Bye. If you're feeling murderous, go play Call of Duty or football, sports ball. Don't pick up any knives and murder people. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. bye, bye. (laughs) Oh, too sad. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod. 
murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. Um, also, Lillian is trying to make a nest. So we're going to give her a minute to just uh, simmer down back there. She has crackhead energy today. <laughs> oh, she's almost got it. Okay. <laughs> Lillian has settled. <laughs> um, okay, so Bannon Candy. <laughs> got her. Um, was very liked. He said once that. God damn it. <laughs> she said. He said. <laughs> um, autistic. <laughs> she was autistic. Just like me. Because I can like, do whatever I want. I'm not allowed to bring my own candy into the movie theaters, so I'm going to do that. Hey, it's I do that one. <laughs> I'm frugal. I'm guilty of that. It's cheaper. Uh, Casual. Dropping off of a package. Ma'am, calm your little titties. Get back in bed. Lay down, honey. Um. <laughs> uh, she is her father's child. <laughs> um. They're going to pork. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I love saying porky <laughs> It's so gross uh, Oh my god Or hold on I have something funny since you made that word Mispronounce <laughs> So I got Ray This thing for her birthday And Matt her dad I told him That he could take her cause it's like an artsy thing And they're both kind of like artsy people mm -hmm. And he's like ah that's right You are autistic not artistic <laughs> Like, that is correct, sir. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man.